0: Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton, and this is... I'm Kyle. But first, a word from our partners. First up, we want to talk about
1: Heather's Choice. If you go to the Heather's Choice website and use our code, The Young Guides 15 at checkout, you can get yourself 15% off site-wide. So go check them out. We got packaroons for snacks. We got dinners. We got breakfasts. We got a bunch of new recipes coming out to you guys. So head on over to heatherschoice.com at checkout, use our code, the young guides 15 and get you guys something for your next outdoor adventure. Awesome.
0: For our next partner, we have lucky bug lures home of the bingo Bug, zombie max fusion, extreme lucky plug F bomb and pike bomb. They take conventional lures and change them up a little bit and it helps your fishing And your luck on the water. Go check them out. www.luckybuglures.com Go get yours today.
1: All right. Up next, we have Northern Knits. Emily up here in Anchorage knits wool hats and uh, distributes them through her social media platforms. You can find her on Facebook or on Instagram. Her Instagram account is northern underscore dot knits and uh, you can see some of the hats that she has in stock and order from there or you can kind of get an idea of what you want message her and you can set something up uh, to have a specific uh, pattern or color scheme that you want in your hat keaton and i both have one well uh, i actually have several keep you very warm they're very fashionable they look great they feel great You'll look awesome if you wear one So Check her out, Northern Knits.
0: Next up, we have a friend, Matt, at Alaska Rodco. He just released a new lineup of rods for the 2022 season. They have a lineup of eight freshwater spinning rods with actions and power for anglers chasing big, aggressive fish. With lengths ranging from six foot to nine foot, there are plenty of options for various applications and style. In a world full of mass-produced rods, Alaska Rod Co. makes sure that rods and services provide what other brands cannot. Rods built and tested in Alaska.
1: Matt also is coming out with a new line of fly rods. Alaska Rodco fly rods are built for harsh environments while maintaining the utmost level of craftsmanship. Right now, Alaska Rodco is nine foot fly rods ranging from five weights to eight weights, 10 foot single hand rods, switch and spare rods will be available late winter or spring. There's enough rod comings out there trying to build the next lightest and flashy rod. Alaska Rodco is here to build you a rod. You can pass down generations. Fishing means many things to many different people. Alaska Rod Co. is honored to build you the ultimate tool that connects you to that meaning.
0: If you want to learn a little bit more about Alaska Rod Company, go back and check our previous podcast. We asked him several questions about his rods, his warranties. Um, it does, he does a great job at explaining everything and covering everything about his company. Also, if you have questions, you can always DM him or DM us and we can get you going in the right direction. So Alaska Rodco.
1: Finally, we want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the Young Guides podcast. If you can head on over to Apple podcast, leave us a review and a rating. It helps us know that we're uh, doing this for the right reasons. And you guys are giving us some great feedback already. You can also head over to Spotify. They now have a rating feature on the podcast there. So if you could let us know how we're doing, that would be great. It also helps you, or excuse me, helps us spread the word through you, um, but makes us pop up on the feeds. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts a lot more, if you give us a great rating and a great review, you can also head to our website and contact us through that form. If there's anything that you think we should know about, if you want to be on our show or if there is something that uh, we need to work on, you can also find us on Instagram and same thing. Give us some feedback, drop us a message and we will get back to you.
0: With Instagram, make sure to also check our story. We, uh, Before we do our podcast on Thursdays, we always have an option for you guys to ask questions to the people coming on our podcast. Um, and we, get, we post a lot of stuff that we like to get uh, viewers and people following us involved. So if you want to h- head on over, give us a follow and uh, start asking questions and join in on the fun on our Instagram page. Without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Young Guides Podcast. I'm Keaton, and this is... I'm Kyle. And today we have Canon Racinelli on. Um, he is an owner and a friend of us, but he owns Racks Guide Service. Um, he is your, he's our age, and uh, he started guiding around the same time, maybe a little sooner than I did. Um, So I got to, I get to see him on the water and I get to see him at the evening hatch. And uh, when we're on the the Yakima river and I try to give a wave when I see him and um, he's, he's uh, got close affiliations with uh, Kai on the fly and she definitely recommended us uh, bringing him on and learning uh, a little bit about his uh, background and starting a a guide service and um, just learning about what it's like to be a young guide and trying to, find your way through this crazy path that we call guiding so without further ado welcome onto the podcast canon thank you i appreciate it
1: yeah thank you i can yeah we appreciate you hopping on we were talking a little bit before and we're super stoked again to have another young guide on we've had we've had some guides with lots of experience which we really appreciate we've had some people that work in the industry um, but we haven't actually had another young guide who is um, just starting their their guide career, so we're super stoked to have you on. We appreciate you taking your time. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited to get talking to you guys.
0: Awesome. So let's just uh, let's kick this off with uh, just tell tell us about uh, your background, your upbringing. You want to give us a little bit about that?
2: Uh, yeah. No, I grew up in a little town called Hawkinson. Um, kind of grew up hunting and fishing my whole life, and Fishing pretty much was the ocean and the Columbia for salmon for the most part. Uh, I really got into hunting when I was like 12, I think, probably yeah, about around that time. And ever since I was just a little kid, I was always wanting to be out in the woods hiking or doing something involving animals of some kind. Um, and like I said, I grew up playing sports too. Um, that was a big part of my life. I, I played football through high school and then actually played football at Central for three and a half years. Um, and then I ended up getting into guiding actually after I started dating Kylie. Um, and after that, uh, I've just been doing that ever since. And I graduate in June. So looking forward to doing more of that
0: nice so how um how did you like what did you go to school for and kind of what made you want to follow like follow a career in guiding and kind of getting out and starting your own business so my biggest thing like I think just
2: down to my core I'm pretty entrepreneurial just in general and you know fish in the Yakima every day, all the time, you know, for a whole summer with Kylie, uh, we'd take out friends and family and different people that we knew. And I think the biggest thing with guiding was, I just love the outdoor industry. And my, my goal was to always be able to have some sort of job that would allow me to do what I really, really enjoy to do. And that's obviously being the outdoors. And so guiding to me was almost kind of natural, like just kind of felt right. And so I ended up, I ended up starting my own guide service um, on the Yakima. And I got affiliated through the Evening Hatch with Rich because Kylie worked there for a couple of years. And I've been running trips for them and running trips for myself. And I've been
0: loving it. That's awesome.
1: So what made you want to be like, hey, I'm going to start my own guide service um, first, as opposed to uh, like starting for uh, an outfitter, like working as an employee? Because and Keaton and I are in the same boat. We did the same thing. But we're just curious why, why, uh, why you went that route.
2: Um, the biggest thing for me, honestly, uh, I just I really wanted to enjoy having my own schedule. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like, I don't want to be tied to, hey, I work this day, this day, this day and this day. And then I can't go do stuff for fun on the weekend or I can't do, go do stuff on Monday and Wednesday, you know. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me is especially in my first year, since last year was my first year, my goal was to just have as much fun as I possibly could and not overdo it for myself. And I think this year obviously is going into my second full year. It's I'm, you know, balls to the walls, ready to roll. And I know what to expect, but like my first goal or last year was I wanted to do just like 20 trips. Like if I would have done 20 trips, I'd be like, okay, I'm good. And I think I did probably over triple that. So it was obviously, you know, you do it and then you love it and then you just want to do it more and more and more. And when you have good clients, you feel like you're just fishing with buddies, you know?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. What, What was some of the, you know, you're, you're walking in on the Yakima and there's some, you know, heavy staples, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, guide services on the Yakima. Was that, uh, intimidating for you at all? Or how did you find your way, um, into like getting clients?
2: Um, you know, it can be the biggest thing. The biggest thing for me, honestly, is just like getting into the fly fishing world of things. Like there's it kind of is a niche group. Like there's a lot of people that I even knew that don't really know about the Yakima. Like where I'm from, you don't really hear about it a lot. Like it's always the Columbia or the Ocean, the Columbia or the Ocean. And then obviously we have our tributaries and stuff like that. But yeah, for the most part, the biggest thing getting into it, I mean it, it can be intimidating, but letting letting yourself worry about oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be as good as the, you know, the corporate places or the places that get 5,000 trips a year. Like to me, that wasn't my goal. And it's never been my goal is to be as big as that. And so I think setting my expectations of, Hey, I want to get a specific type of client and I want to have really fun with those clients. And I want to have, great food and steaks on the river and I want to do things my way. And I really have just enjoyed that part of it and being able to kind of try and separate myself from other people in the sense that a lot of people just get their clients, hop on the river, do their trip and get it over with. So my biggest thing is like, I I really enjoy creating relationships with the people that I meet on the river because there's so many So many cool people that
1: you never would have ever met if you didn't do it. Yeah, for sure. What did that process look like? Starting your business from like business license, guide license, trying to figure all that out, acquiring gear and boats. What what did that whole process look like for you?
2: Yeah, so it all. I kind of. Well, I first off I started out with a raft like that was me and Kylie fished every single day out of that a couple of years ago and it, it was great I love it I love that raft and I had me and Kylie had our first date in it um but on the Yakima a drift boat is ideal so when I me and Kylie kind of just sat down and I was like hey I think I want to guide like I think I could enjoy it and be good at it and this would be a good a good place to start out my career in guiding and get things figured out and so the first thing I did is I got my business license through the state and it was I mean it's a super easy process to do and then yeah um I got my guide license and the biggest thing that I I didn't even know coming into it is like you have to have all the right commercial insurance for it. And not knowing that it's something that you're like, Oh wow, I got to spend $500 for, or, you know, $500 for my insurance for this whole year on my drift boat and everything. And so that's another expense. I think there's, there's a lot of things that people don't realize about like starting your own business is like the expenses. Like I know a lot of people and other shops pay for their their guides guide license and they'll pay for their boat if they want to use it and stuff like that so the biggest thing is there is a lot of expenses just starting out i mean you got minimum five rods because the (laughs) clients tend to break rods i've had that happen a few times um but yeah no from lines flies uh, rods i mean you got there's a ton of different things that you have to accumulate and luckily we had accumulated that throughout the year prior which kind of helped me lean into things um and that was probably probably the biggest help is just acquiring that stuff over time and I mean Rome wasn't built in a day obviously you're gonna have a lot nicer gear five years down the road than you do starting out
0: but yeah what did uh what did like your uh, like legal process look like, you know, what, how was that going about trying to get like a waiver filled out um, for yourself? Did you, you know, are you using someone else's waiver? Or are you kind of going like, how are you doing that? Uh, what do you mean by that? Uh, like pre-trip waivers and stuff. Was there like any? Uh,
2: oh yeah, no, I know. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So the waivers that I use are like a basic basic safety waiver pretty much and I put my guide service on it my name and apply it to what I'm doing basically oh. uh, I I think most people do that I, yeah. I know that you can you can make like your own and stuff so you can have like specific applications and stuff like that I just yeah. use a general one uh, <laughs> I think it's the easiest way to do it. Um, I'm sure that I'm sure most shops do it like that, but
0: yeah. I've never, I just never, I've never asked that process, you know, everyone's kind of got their own and you just, it is what it is. You know, I didn't know if there was any legal process with it or anything. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Not,
2: not that, I mean, not that I know of, I, <laughs> I, if, if I do need to find that out, then I should. But I haven't, like I said, I, all the other waivers I've done have just been like through the hatch and hey, sign this before we head out and stuff like that. So cool.
1: Sure. <clears throat> so, what's, uh, what are things going to look like now differently? <clears throat> Cause you say you're going to be guiding more uh, this fall, um, other places from the Yakima, is that correct?
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm actually, uh, me and Kylie are headed up to Alaska. We're going to do, we're going to do co-host season on, um, the Togiak river. And I'm really, really excited for that. I salmon's always been my one true love. Um, of course, <laughs> growing up, growing up right on the Columbia. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really, really excited to go to Alaska. I've never been to Alaska. Like, at all and I I know you guys love it up there (laughs) Kylie sends me or shows me all the pictures um but yeah I am very excited about that I'm I'm actually going to do some salmon trips after I get back to which I'm excited for too um but the biggest thing is I'm really really excited for Alaska but obviously there's a lot of steps you have to do like I have to get my coast guard license. You have to get like a Twick car. There's a lot of different processes that you have to do specifically up there that you don't have to do down here. But I mean, if you're going to run a boat down here, you have to have a coast guard license and stuff if it has a
1: motor. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: What is the, like, are you, when you are guiding up in Alaska, are you going to stick to like fly fishing or are you going to do a little bit of deer fishing or uh, what is that going to look like? Uh,
2: I think it's a little of both. Um, I know Kylie likes to do some of the fly fish or they like Kylie to do some of the fly fishing clients just cause she does fly fish a lot. Yeah. Kind of her area of expertise. Um, I'll probably do a little bit of both. Um, I really don't discriminate. I just, mm-hmm. I love fishing. Yeah. So <laughs> um, But yeah, no, I, like I said, I think I'm going to do a little of both and I'm excited.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: The silvers are, you'll, you'll, have you, have you fished for silvers much?
2: Yeah. And I know the twitching up there is a lot better than it is down here.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. You're gonna, yeah. You're going to like those silvers. They're, they're pretty. It's, uh,
2: Kylie's told me all the stories and I am,
1: I am. Stoked to learn that river. For sure. For sure. You want to ask that uh, next question, Keaton, the one you just typed.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for you. Uh you you know, you're talking about uh doing a little transition down to the Columbia and stuff. Uh what's that gonna look like for you? I mean, you, you got all this fly gear, you've done all that. I know that some parts of the Columbia, it's not fly friendly. So Yeah. Yeah, I know. Downriggers ready or what?
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, me and Kylie actually just got a boat. Oh boy, two and a half months ago now. Um and so most well, pretty much all of my trips on the Columbia will be conventional. Um there's a lot more stuff that I have to obviously accumulate. I have yeah quite a few salmon rods and you know, but slowly we're starting to accumulate more and more especially like for clients it's nice to have extra rods on the boat knowing that like stuff happens and you can break off a lot of stuff and then another thing is just like I'm gonna need a lot more spinners and I'm gonna need (laughs) <laughs> a lot more up plugs, and I'm going to need way more mooching rigs. And, you know, there's just a ton of stuff that you have to slowly and slowly accumulate. Luckily we got our boat early enough where we're going to have time to accumulate that, but yeah, guiding on the Columbia is just, it's so much different than the Yakima. Like there's, first of all, there's way more people like, If you, if you were to see less than 50 boats on the water, usually there's not any fish around, but, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's so different. There's people everywhere. There's a million different things to get tangled on. Uh, There's way less fish than the Yakima, obviously. I mean, it's you, you can know you're going to get opportunities, but, those opportunities aren't the numbers that you get fly fishing, obviously.
0: Yeah, of course. Especially on on migrational fish. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: But, I mean, the fall's, I mean, the fall's ridiculously fun, and there's very few things I enjoy more than seeing islets get bent down in the water, so.
0: Yeah. Heck, yeah.
1: I know that, I mean, you, you you haven't done that yet but you have yeah. guys in Yakima and you've had experience um, obviously fishing and stuff, but when it comes to business and in, if you don't want to answer this question, you don't feel like you can, don't, don't worry about it. But do you think that it's going to be more profitable for you personally to guide those salmon trips versus the fly fishing trips? Or do you see fly fishing trips as more profitable than those salmon trips or, or anticipate them to be? So
2: I'm going to be completely honest the the fly fishing trips i know for a fact are going to be more relaxing like <laughs> as a whole like you're floating down the river you get to hang out with your clients all day there's not a ton i mean rowing's not a ton of manual labor you know everyone's in good shape um but yeah but it is a lot more profitable i think most most people nowadays 225 or 250 a stick, and you have four clients usually on a boat. Some, I mean, some people have six clients on a boat. Um, but the bigger thing for me, honestly, is so my next aspiration is going to be in firefighting. So I'm going to get my EMT in the fall, and I want to set up kind of my side business now because i am planning on getting into firefighting and i want to be able to guide on my days off and fortunately that's the type of job it allows you to be able to guide and do other things and so for me and my future that's kind of like the next step especially with moving back home
0: yeah absolutely that's cool i got I got another, uh, fish question for you. Um, yeah. I just, I'm just curious. I always drive past that mammoth of the, the Columbia. And, uh, do you ever find yourself like, you know, running up in a sled or in, in a, you know, in a boat and you find like a, a, big pot of like salmon and then you can, you know, switch up your tactics to like jigging or spinning, spin fishing for them. Or do you, are you always kind of like on that downrigger game? Uh,
2: so I'm actually not, I'm never running downriggers unless, I mean there are certain places I know like Wanapum and stuff people run downriggers just because there's so much water coming off of that dam that you have you want to stay right under the boat otherwise you're going to be 10 feet into someone else's boat and tangled all up but um, for the most part we're trolling 360 tri- triangles for springers um, but Flashers,
0: sorry. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm novice, uh, so I that's why I have questions. And every picture I see of the Columbia, you know, they're down at their their uh, that that point. What is that point uh, that mm-hmm. leads into the ocean? Buoy ten, uh, buoy ten, yes, and and they're all they. It's like everyone's running down riggers into each other. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's just the Columbia.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of battle fishing. I. I love the Columbia. I love Buoy Ten, but sometimes I hate Buoy Ten. I actually prefer to fish upriver, um, but the tactics do—they can change. They change more when you mess into like, or when you go into like the tributaries and stuff. Then you get into like twitching, back bouncing, yeah. using bars and eggs and jigs. But in the Columbia, usually for the most—if unless you're anchored up most people are going to be trolling for the most part uh especially like with 360s and a lot of the technology that's came out it's people just catch more fish than they did yeah like on a rod and reel like it's just more effective um but there's people that anchor fish pretty much every day and crush fish all year yes. so i mean it's just different tactics and i think it depends on the year i mean there's times there's times when the current's moving so fast especially like at buoy 10 that you can't fish a 360 like triangles are kind of all you can run and i don't personally i think that the 360s are more effective but there's times when you have to run triangles and you have to run specific types of gear um
0: but yeah that's awesome throwing a lot of questions at you i know you're kind of getting that all kicked off and stuff and you've been no, really I, cool. I, I,
2: i'm always learning and i i love doing it yeah that's
1: great so how uh how do you find um clients through that or, or like how are you looking for clients for guiding um on columbia because i know that um, I mean, obviously like say on the Yakima, you got a lot of, you got several outfitters, you got a lot of guides. What does that look like competition wise, um, with other salmon guides on the Columbia? And then again, finding those clients and competing with those other guides.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, th- with the Columbia, um, I mean, there's obviously it's so big and there's so many different guides that you can go with. Right. And so, finding, finding the guide that's going to suit you the best and you enjoy being with them and sitting around all day is a big part of it. Um, I think marketing is super important for that. Uh, I actually have a buddy that is going to help me build, well rebuild my racks website. And then we're going to, we're going to do some marketing, uh,
0: And he's going to help me out with
2: that. And so that's going to, that'll help out quite a bit. But the biggest thing, and I've kind of seen it with all my guiding so far, is word of mouth. Like, hey, uh, I got a text from so-and-so. They recommended you. I want to book a trip this day. And it's like, okay, I can do that day. Or no, I can't. You want to do this day. Uh, Word of mouth is, I mean, obviously they talk about word of mouth advertising being super good. But I think it's something that's invaluable and there's a lot of family members and cousins that know people that want to book trips and all of a sudden it's hey uh do you want to do this trip right now sure so i oh. think that's super important um marketing super important and then i'm also going to do some trip through the hatch too uh like at the mouth of the click so cool Oh, nice that'd
0: be
1: super cool
0: yeah, I can. I can only imagine uh, the challenges that of you know trying to sell yourself in a in a world that it seems like a smaller amount of fish are coming back. There's a lot of guides now. Everyone's trying to become guides. Um, mm-hmm. So I can I can only imagine how challenging it could be. But it sounds like you're going down the right direction. And uh, you know, biggest thing is just. Is selling yourself right? So, hopping on yeah. the, the young guides podcast and and really getting your your name out there.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I a guy that works for the hatch. Uh, he one of the best things he's ever told me is, uh, when you're guiding, you're in the people business, not the fishing business. Yeah, and I've never heard a truer statement. Yeah. Like. There's people that you could take out and only want to catch a ton of fish. That's their yeah. main goal. They could care less about talking. They could, and then you get people that are like, dude, I just want to be here. Like, I want to get away from the house and all the crap in the world. And I think, like, especially during, like, last year, there were so many people that were locked up that everyone's, like, thanked. The Lord, I can get out of the house. And so there's so many people that are like, I haven't fished in 15 years. I just, I had to get out of the house and do something. Yeah. And I think fishing, like it is growing like consistently, especially like where we live. There's just, I mean, I think there's more and more people getting into it. I think I was reading a statistic and it was like four out of five boat owner, boat buyers our first time yeah, which is just crazy. I know I've seen uh, like family members like, Hey, had a boat on order. Yeah. Sorry. We're not going to be able to get your motors. Like there's just, they wow. can't keep up with the demand. Uh, there's just, there's such a huge demand for boats and equipment. And I know that the suppliers can't keep up and you know, the, truckers can't get to as many places they want to go to so yeah, yeah it's just crazy
0: um you know i i was working down at orvis for a little while and like during like part of last year there's probably like four months that we were out of like five weights six weights and four weight rods like they would come in <laughs> they'd hit our shells and next thing you know like as soon it's like they could hear it hit the rat you know and people are walking out with them, like just going like hotcakes. So yeah it, there there was a time last year, you
2: couldn't buy a nine foot five weight. Yeah, like anywhere, <laughs> it's
1: crazy. So yeah, that's cool. We well, you know you can't get a nine foot five weight is from our uh, our buddy uh, Matt Crow at Alaska Ride Company.
0: <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, there we go. Now uh, I got to check him out though. I'll
2: I'll stuff. have to check him out.
0: Yeah.
1: so we talked a lot about your your guiding and fishing and you're gonna be guiding the yakima guiding the columbia and alaska um but we we keep and i both follow you and on instagram and we have noticed that you've been doing a lot of hunting um tell us a little bit about that and i guess first off is that is that something you find yourself doing to kind of Get away from the guiding, like like that's almost like your break. Do you see hunting as that for you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think like even I like last year, I I saw salmon fishing as kind of like my break from guiding. Like it was able to get away and not have to worry about anything, and I could just fish and enjoy myself. Um, but yeah, no hunting is definitely. I don't think I will ever want to be a hunting guide, <laughs> um, but I love any hunting of any kind, or I just started getting into the upland thing and it's a blast. Like that's something that I just haven't done really. And no. I think, I think any, any hunting that involves work and there's something that's worth it at the end is something that I'm always going to want to do
1: so um are you when you're hunting are you I know you just got a dog you say you're doing like upland hunting I I know you duck hunting hunt deer you hunt bear like what's what's your favorite thing to hunt like like that what's the thing that's like all right I need a break I want to go out I'm going to, I'm going to go hunt this one thing. Oh, if I could have any pick, I love deer
2: hunting of any kind. Like that, that to me is my favorite thing to do just because, I mean, growing up hunting blacktails, they're super, super, super smart and the big ones never come out in the daytime. And if you get an opportunity, it's, like, the best thing ever. Um, but I honestly, after doing mule deer, like, hard last year, that's probably my favorite right now just because I love being able to see. Like, blacktail hunting's fun, don't get me wrong. But being able to see is very, very, very enjoyable. Um, and I love bear hunting too spring bear is very very fun obviously we don't get that this year in Washington but uh yeah spring bear is very very fun
0: so let me ask you you know I saw if you give him give him a follow check out his Instagram uh and and we shared it on our young guides podcast Instagram but that big mule (laughs) mule deer that you got um what was like what's the difference between you know you know hunting on the west side and then now moving over to the east side and figuring kind of how to do that stuff out. Yeah. Um
2: so I like I said I grew up blacktail hunting and football pretty much consumed all of my hunting and fishing of any kind for like the past 8 years. And so this year was my first year to really hunt and hunt hard and spend time and put my, put the work in. Um, I think the biggest thing like about this year is just putting the time, being able to put the time in was so useful. Like we knew where deer were, we knew what they were going to do. And you just don't know that if you don't put the time in. Um, but, coming from the west side and hunting blacktail mule deer is way easy (laughs) i'm not i know there's people that are gonna disagree but mule deer are a lot easier purely because you can see like
0: yeah
2: like being able to see (laughs) is so valuable like people don't realize that but yeah it's being able to know where you're going and hey if i get on to the top of that ridge i can see all the way across here but if you're blacktail hunting if you get onto the top of the ridge you look over and it's still woods yeah So there's not not really an advantage but yeah uh like i i mean honestly i think if you can kill blacktails every single year then you're gonna be able to kill pretty much anything else yeah I, i've I've heard that from everyone, and it, I think it really, really helps that I did blacktail hunt when I was younger, and it was hard. It wasn't easy. So,
0: yeah. well, and it gives you that. But, like, Western Washington gives you a level of patience, and <laughs> a level of like not being, you know, you don't care that you're soaking wet. Cause if you're yeah. going blacktail hunting, the odds of you being soaking wet and like not being able to see shit for like seven hours a day been you know, like full days. I've spent like days in clear cuts and never seen anything. And then it's like the next day you go up there and there, it's like the deer population just spiked overnight. You know, it's crazy.
2: Yeah, no, you're exactly, you're exactly right. It's I, I'm, I am serious though. Like from doing that, To coming over here it's like wow this is so much better (laughs) and like you can you know what's going on oh they're moving from here to here I can like actually see that like a lot of time when you're blacktail hunting you see antlers and an ass running away (laughs)
0: like pops up out of the green like the the dumps and you're like oh there's a deer
2: yeah no for sure and I mean I was blacked I after i got my deer this year i went home and hunted with my cousin and we spotted a three point set the gun up and five seconds later gone just completely vanished in thin air never saw it and it was two minutes ago we were just staring right at it with our binoculars yeah Uh, it's it's i mean they're small and they're very, very smart. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So
0: there's a reason they call them the gray ghost, right? Like <laughs> they're there and they're gone. It's like a Houdini yeah. act. It's crazy.
2: No, I have, I have a ton of respect for people who kill big black tails every year. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't think I have the patience to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those guys spend like the whole season in the forest. It's, yeah. It's amazing. So, what about what do you think of the like the taste comparison between like a mule deer and a blacktail? Um, oh, honestly, I think I'm going, going, going blacktail all day. I think okay. white tail tastes the best.
2: Okay. Uh, my buddy shot a white tail dough and it was really, really good.
0: I, I did you know, white tail is good. What do you think, Kyle? Like, like. Well, I, I don't think you've done, you've got like black tail, but like, you know, difference between like a white tail and a mule deer, like what's your preference on it?
1: I will uh, 100% eat a wheat fe- a wheat fed white tail over the <laughs> <El-San-y> day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're, totally. Mule deer, gabonzo bean field, like eating sage, just they're huge, but they just taste like what they eat.
1: Well, I've never, I've never had a. I've never really eaten like a, a sagey mule deer buck or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're gonna give me a choice and you say this white tail is eating wheat all year, there's, <laughs> there's, there's really no no question which one you're gonna choose. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I think honestly, I I love venison, and it's if you prepare it right, it's gonna be really really good unless there's something funky with it, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I had a doe this year that was out in wheat fields and it was a mule deer and my buck was way up in the mountains and I couldn't tell the difference, honestly, yeah. but yeah. I mean, I think it'd be different if you sat them right down and had a piece of backstrap off of each deer I think it'd be totally different
0: but well compare it like you know from different regions of like the state too that you hunt they're going to have a different food source and where you're that 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 like you you wouldn't think about that but it, it does taste a little different oddly enough yeah for sure but like you said you have to be I think you have to be like you know toothpick and toothpick and like eating it back to back to really like
2: yeah totally i i think honestly i think it it differs with so many different things like salmon i mean there's people that like springers are really 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 good but ocean coho are insanely good like and i know people that say that stock kylie loves soccer that's one of her favorites so i don't know i mean a lot of it's just personal preference
1: no for sure and i can say that on the salmon like the silvers we catch on the road system are good but when i was out in western alaska we kept some silvers and we ate some on the trip and it's like huge difference in yeah two different strains slightly different strains of coho in the same state Mm -hmm. Yeah, huge difference in taste. Yeah, once once they
2: get out of the salt,
1: it's just a little bit different. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would say the same thing with like, I know we're comparing like three different species of deer and stuff, but like, I can tell a distinct difference between each one of the bears that I've shot. Like, they've all been great, but even and like you said, Keith, it all depends on what they're eating. Like if you if they're eating garbage or salmon they're going to taste like garbage or salmon but if they're eating berries they're going to be sweet and so it's yeah i think it all depends on on what they're eating and same thing would go with the fish too i'd imagine like if they're in a certain part of the ocean they're probably eating a certain type of food like like a shrimp or something versus some kind of like fish so i think that would totally affect it as well
2: yeah no that makes total sense i the only bear i've really had has been spring bear and so it's I mean, they're eating grass, so it tend. I mean, it's tended to be pretty good, so.
0: Yeah, I wonder, I uh, you know, and this might, if someone knows or someone's listening to the podcast, I wonder if, like, the the stream systems that they go t- into, like, plays a key in the flavor, right? Like, think mm. about, like, oh, a, yeah. think about, like, an, you know, let me put you in my setting, right? Think about, like, an urban coho versus, like, a coho that you're catching out of, like, you know alaska on the road system like there's got to be a like the chemicals or something they go through or the what they face in the ocean like there's got to be some flavors there that are like especially down here they got to be some causing cancer shit in them you know so
2: yeah pinks out of the puke probably don't taste very good
0: (laughs) yeah you get a little grainy flavor with them (laughs)
2: yeah for sure
1: well, like up here in Alaska, you, you hear about your Copper River Reds, right? Like that's supposed to be your best eating fish. And the reason a lot of those fish in the Copper River are good is because that river is fast and like super heavy current. And so those fish have evolved to live in that water and they have to be strong. They have to be muscular. And I think in turn with that comes the flavor of the meat, because if they're in or, or even take like what your summer hogs used to be in the Columbia before they built. Grand Coulee Dam, you would have like those 100 pound kings. I'm sure those things tasted great because they had to have, they were big, they were muscular, because they had to go a hell of a long ways. And I think that for sure, Keaton, has a huge part to do with how they taste. Yeah.
0: No, I just, I was thinking about that, you know, like, like an example is like the puke, right? It's just, it's mud. So, I mean, I can't, I mean, maybe like a fish coming right from the salt into it you're not really going to tell a difference but you know a fish sitting in there a week like you got to start telling a little difference or something about it but you know some people say they can't tell and i I don't know i think some people are hungrier than others yeah yeah
2: yeah that's very true
0: so uh, we're on the topic of like, uh, on like cooking and stuff, right. Are we expecting a, uh, a, a racanelli cookbook anytime soon? I, I saw you got like a YouTube channel about it. Uh, to-
2: so yeah, we actually, me and Kylie have a food blog and it's, we're starting to accumulate more and more and more recipes, but, when when it comes to fish she's probably the king she does really really good with fish um but yeah no I cook I my family's Italian and so I anyone in my family that can't cook is like a big outlier um so (laughs) that is like my number I love cooking of any kind like we're always trying different things making different foods and I think that's what's so nice about like being able to go out and harvest your own food is come back and then cook it like that's super super rewarding like it's there's very few like me and Kylie were just talking the other day like I don't remember a ton of time like there's there is times where we do, you know, got go out and buy meat, but we have so much whitefish and salmon and halibut and lingcod and you know deer, and it's just so nice to be able to have all those things and walk out and be like, oh hey, I want tenderloin tonight, you know, I can go grab it, which is nice.
0: Yeah. I see you guys like I, I always when I uh, I'll be scrolling through Instagram and Kylie's always posting her like she's got like some tacos or something and you guys are mixing up some contraption I'm like man I need to hang out with these people more
2: <laughs> yeah you'll have to come over I'm always always willing to cook
1: heck yeah and honestly that's probably like one of the best ways to respect our resources, right? Like if we're harvesting them, like by cooking them and like eating them well and like really taking care of it. I think that's an awesome way to, to honor your harvest, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're exactly right. When, when I first started hunting, you know, I was just always like, Oh, hamburger, hamburger, right. Or like (laughs) spaghetti or like, and I was like, this is kind of like bullshit, right? I feel like I'm wasting this, like this thing I harvested and I was like, there's got to be better recipes. So I've been like really branching out, trying to make like chilies and, and stuff like that. You know, I mean, spaghetti to chili is not much more of a jump, but <laughs> uh, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like trying different things, trying like tacos and, and stuff like that. So. I know we've covered a lot
1: and you gotta, you gotta make a drive still. So I'm kind of um, start wrapping things up for you. Um, is there anything else that we haven't asked that you want to uh, talk about, or that we, we th- you think we should know about about you guiding, about your hunting, your cooking, anything like that?
2: Oh, I don't know. I think we covered a lot. I' trying to think of something. Um, I'm gonna have to give a shout out to my family. So everyone out there who's listening. Uh, but, yeah, no, other than that, I can't think of anything.
0: For sure. Well, if someone wants to uh, get a hold of you for a trip or maybe a trip coming up in the future on the Columbia, uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? How can they follow you? Where can they follow you? Lay it out for us.
2: Uh, I, the biggest thing that I – would prefer is honestly just give me a phone call um i'm sure you guys can probably put it in the description yeah and then i have my booking site on there as well um and that's probably the best way to do it uh if you're gonna book i would definitely call first that way we can schedule out the best time to go i don't i'm not a huge fan of just having people hop on and book a trip like i want to talk to them and say hey this is like the best time to come. Like if you want to come for mother's day caddis, it's really, really, really good. So I would wait an extra, you know, two weeks, and then it's going to be super good. So yeah. I would definitely call before you book. Um, and then, yeah, other than that,
0: yeah, Instagram, I guess. Yeah. What's your, what's your Instagram handle?
2: Uh, It's just can racinelli.
0: Okay. Do you have Rax's uh, guide yeah, service? I
2: have Rax guide service. I need to post a lot more than I have on there, <laughs> but yeah, I have a million pictures from last year that
0: still need to get put up. But cool. We'll check that out. And have you started a Facebook page for it? Uh, I think it's linked
2: on my Instagram. I think it like made them
1: together. I
2: could be wrong, but that's what usually happens.
1: Cool. yeah cool sweet <clears throat> well with that let's uh let's get into our rapid fire round a little bit like we do this at the end just fire uh, a few last questions at you to kind of wrap things up so keaton you want to start us off yeah
0: <clears throat> so uh here comes the wrath uh what's your favorite fish to fish for oh false should not- love it um
1: how are you fishing for it like what like like if you want the perfect day of fishing for fall chinook how are you catching them and where oh
2: probably the columbia in a disclosed location <laughs> <laughs> and i want islets all the way in the water just hammered nice. heck yeah uh
1: what's your uh, dream destination both to fish and to hunt? Oh,
2: that's tough. I, probably for hunting. Honestly, I really want to do like a mountain goat hunt. I think that would be the funnest thing in Alaska. That would just be epic. And then fishing destination. Honestly, I want to do something tropical, like all my fishing is in the northwest, and I'd like to go spend some time somewhere hot and enjoy it
0: for sure. God, you know what I was thinking. Uh, what were you thinking? Oh, I was thinking you should check out Baja California. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I that's an inside joke. I it was a while ago, anyways. Uh, favorite meal. And drink to have with you on the river when you're guiding and then when you're kicking it back in the drift boat
2: oh ribeyes and a mac and Jacks.
0: all right i like it what's your what's your go-to drink when you're like guiding with clients Mm, not beer because i try to be
2: professional (laughs) um but uh go-to I like iced tea. I'm I love iced tea, oh. unsweet iced tea.
1: A weakness. All right, you're you're driving to the river. You know you're meeting clients, and or you're up early. You're driving to fish for kings on the Columbia. What kind of music are you putting on on the radio? Oh, there's
2: one song that needs to be played every time, and that's "Fortunate Son." <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm to I hear. <laughs> okay.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. You're headed out the door to do an outdoorsy thing. That can be fishing, honey, hiking, just going for a walk in the park. What's the first thing that you will grab for your trip? First thing that I'll grab my keys that is important.
1: <laughs> Very important
0: but what what about like what about like out like if you had one thing that you had to wear on all your outdoor ventures what is like the one thing that you're bringing or oh, take
2: with you? uh, puffy big giant puffy yeah and valuable uh, nice i like think it.
0: people i think people underestimate you know having those spare clothes with them even in like the warm warm days of summer it's like just never know it's always good to have it with you
2: well yeah totally like especially in Ellensburg like you guys know the flipping wind kicks up and then 60 degrees feels like 30 degrees
0: yeah oh and so, you're like shaking yeah I sure. gets yeah
1: so kind of getting into some more quick guiding questions um what what have been some of the challenges that you faced as a new guide in the industry especially as a young guide uh honestly just learning the river that's the biggest thing
2: I mean there's people that have been fishing it for 20-30 years and they've seen it change a million different times you know um just learning the trends right I mean it changes all the time on the Yakima there's you got completely you're fishing completely different in the fall than you would be fishing in the middle of the summer you know and that's the thing i think that i've learned is just always try and be able to adapt and don't forget the
0: things that always work for sure uh what was the hardest part about figuring out guiding
2: figuring it out
0: Like what was a, let's, let me just narrow it down to like, what was the hardest part about um, like the river or the fishing aspect that like really challenged you when you first started? I think honestly, like teaching,
2: teaching clients like what you want is a big, probably one of the toughest things to do because I mean, you can have someone that's just, an amazing caster, right? But if he's casting in completely the wrong spot, it doesn't help either of you guys. Yeah. And I think teaching, teaching clients the way I want to fish is probably something that I had to learn the most just because, you know, you're, you're floating down the river and there's a million different ways to fish it and people can fish it in a bunch of different ways, but getting you synchronized with your clients, fishing the way you
1: want is just super important. Yeah, for sure. Good answer. <clears throat> What's your favorite aspect of guiding? The people. Definitely. Like, there's so many,
2: so many, so, 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 so many cool people that you meet. Like, uh, from navy seals to truckers to dentists to people that guide on different sides of the country like there's just so many cool interesting people that you meet it's amazing the amount of relationships that you build just in an eight-hour day or a four-hour day with someone you know yeah
0: um what's uh, something you wish you knew when you first started guiding? How much stuff I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
2: I, I, I think like when you fish with your buddies who can fish, it's you kind of expect them not to lose everything. Yeah. And you realize, you don't realize how much money that you're going to have to spend on stuff that you're losing. Right. I mean, because you get super super good clients and then you get clients that aren't as good fishermen and you you have super short leaders with some people but some people you can fish right on the bottom you know yeah so I think just realizing how much stuff you need to account for right because if you have two flies that's never going to be enough of one you know yeah
1: <clears> 100 percent. <throat> what kind of advice do you have for people coming into fly fishing and want to learn how to fly fish
2: get out and do it honestly like that's the biggest thing like you can do it a million different ways i know that there's people that will only tell you that you have to cast one way and if you're not doing it that one way it's completely wrong like who cares just learn to do it, get it in the right spot. And once you're in the right spot, you're going to catch fish. Like if you can get out there and go do it and get your opportunities in, the opportunities are going to stack up and it's just going to lead to more and more and more fish you catch. So I, honestly, the biggest thing is just go do it, go buy a hundred dollar Cabela's kit. Like it doesn't matter what you get, just go out and do it. For sure.
0: What's some, uh, What's a, if someone wanted to get into guiding, what's some advice you might give them? Um,
2: if someone wanted to get into guiding, don't forget to make it fun because it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like it's really, really enjoyable. If you don't take yourself too seriously, because if you're out there and, every single time you're out there it's just a competition of oh my gosh I have to catch every single fish in the river then days when it's just not very good fishing you're going to be super 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 upset but there's days when fishing just isn't as good that's life that's how it works and so the biggest thing I would say is just make it fun enjoy it because it's a it's a type of job where you're probably not going to be able to do forever. So do it while you can, you know? Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, Cannon, uh, we've appreciated your time and uh, enjoyed chatting with you about everything that uh, you do guiding and outdoor wise. And um, to wrap up every podcast, we like to end with a story, whether that be a hunting, fishing story, cool guide story, embarrassing story something that comes to mind that uh you want people to uh uh you want to leave a good impression with with listeners or a bad impression i, don't, I don't know. oh <laughs> gosh i'm trying to just there's
2: so many um oh gosh Gosh, this is a tough one. I'm sorry. I'm having to
0: think about this. You're good. Think about it.
2: Honestly, probably one of my favorite guide trips was my first one. Honestly, I did it with, Jordan Thompson and it was a two boat float and we had stakes on the side of the river and the, when it was my first trip. So I was like super, super nervous, obviously. And when I got on the water, everything just kind of, every jitter that I had just kind of phased out and it was like, okay, we're just fishing. Like at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And it was super great and it was beautiful the whole day and the clients caught fish and it was super super fun and that's probably one of my most memorable guide experiences just because it started out on a good note I think if it if it had started out on a bad note you know it can leave a sore taste in your mouth at times um but yeah that was probably one of my most memorable
1: Love it. Jordan's a good dude
2: to spend yeah. your first day with, too. Uh, Jordan's a good dude.
0: All right. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Young Guides podcast. Uh, I just, me and Kyle, really want to thank uh, Canon for taking the time. Um, Cannon's in between the water and his destination. So he pulled over on the side of the road to do this podcast tonight. And uh, that means a lot to us. Um, we're very fortunate to have another young guide uh, representing, you know, the fishing industry like Cannon. Um, and we're proud to call him a friend. So uh, we're so thankful. Thank you, Cannon, for taking the time tonight and chatting with us. <clears throat> I also just want to give a uh, huge shout out to everyone that's leaving us an Apple podcast review, um, giving us ratings on um, Spotify and just you know showing us some love telling us that we're doing a great job it keeps the you know it keeps me and kyle coming back at it every week and we're doing our best to bring you the best content with the you know the most versatile people that we can find and bringing you all different types of views and uh and everything that we possibly can so uh we thank you for letting us know that we're doing a great job that means the world to us um Make sure to go visit and show some love to our sponsors, Northern knit, Alaska Rodco. Co. Um, check out uh, Lucky Bug Lures and Heather's Choice. Um, we can't can't thank them enough. They're great to have as partners on here, and uh, it, it's just it's awesome. So, um, Kyle, is there anything you wanted to add on this outro? Uh,
1: nope. I mean, just uh, appreciate uh, you guys listening. This will be episode, I believe, twenty one. Yeah. So we're super stoked to um, be growing our audience uh, across the world, across the country, across the states of Washington and Alaska. So it's just really great to see that growing, um, seeing more um, growth in our um, within our audience between men and women and people of different ages. Um, it's really great to see that we're growing that diversity. So uh, again, we really appreciate you guys listening. Um, those reviews you've been leaving us on Apple podcasts have been awesome to read. We love to hear it. And um, the engagement we've been having uh, on social on social media, Instagram or Facebook and uh, our YouTube channel um, has been really great. And I hope you guys are taking um, a lot from uh, some of the instructional stuff right now. It's mainly, fly tying videos. I know Keaton and I are trying to, um, work on bringing you guys more learning stuff on the website, but also the YouTube. And we would, uh, we would really appreciate your feedback on that and what you guys want to see. And if you like what you do see, it really helps us out. Cause we will, we have knowledge that we want to share that we want to, um, help, uh, help you guys or provide you guys to help you. Um, but we also, we're also at a point where, and I'm not like we'll ever get a point where we know everything, but we we don't know everything and we want to learn from you guys as well. Cause I know I've personally learned a hell of a lot from clients um, that I use every day in my own life and my own guiding, my own fishing. So um, it, it all, it's all because of you guys is why we're here. So yeah. appreciate you.
0: Well, yeah, just uh, thanks for showing us love. And we uh, once again, we can't think of it enough thank you enough for it and uh so if uh you have nothing else to add i think that was another episode of the young guys podcast we'll catch you on the next one